Before we start on with the show, the Second Generation Banana Podcast would like to acknowledge that this is a Canadian podcast in Edmonton, Alberta, and is hosted on Treaty 6 territory, a traditional meeting grounds, gathering place, and traveling route to the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, Nakota Sioux, as well as the Métis. We acknowledge all the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries. Thank you for listening. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Queer Eric. I am a cis male. My pronouns are him, his. And you are listening to the SGB Second Generation Banana Podcast. In every episode, we dive into real and entertaining stories with a hint of some whitewashed Asian flavor. Uh, So welcome to our 16th episode. I wanted to give a quick shout out to my friends, Jocelyn, who has watched every single one of my episodes. Uh, So thank you. I also wanted to give a shout out to my little cousin, Rennell, who lives in uh, the States, I believe San Diego. It's been a while since I've seen him, obviously due to quarantine, but he told me he catches out the, uh, he checks out the show here and there. And I know sometimes the stuff I say isn't appropriate, but (laughs) thanks for uh, listening today. Anyways, today will be a special episode. We have a special guest with us. All of our guests are special, but today we will be having my longtime friend Buena onto the podcast. Before we get into introducing Buena into the show, uh, I just wanted to note that she is a teacher and she has told me uh, that she she has requested that we keep our conversation appropriate. Um, I I know if you listen to any of the previous episodes, they can be anything but, but I've made a promise. So this will be um, completely appropriate. No innuendos, nothing. Straight to the point. Straight knowledge is what we're dropping today. All right, so let's get into it. So Buena, I know you're here. Uh, feel free to drop in anytime as I go through the uh, news segment that I have here. And then otherwise, we'll just get right into it. Okay, uh, so first of all, in international news, um, this is some news that I came across while I was on Instagram uh, from some of my friends. Uh, so this pertains to the Punjab farmer protests. So I was, uh, let's find out. What are they protesting? So the farmers are protesting the farm bills, which work to expand farming to the free market, which hurts smaller farmers in the process. The farm bills were passed as of September 27th of this year. But under this bill, farmers would be allowed to choose any private companies they want to sell their crops to, which they have already been doing. But the difference is they won't receive help from the government to decide the terms uh, with the companies. This leads to them getting unfair deals. Smaller farmers won't have the ability to store crops for long periods of time, so they will have to settle for whatever uh, terms they can find fast enough and take in uh, these bad deals in the process. So they are currently under the Mandy system in which the government uh, controls markets and regulates prices. But if private buyers or companies begin to offer more uh, money for crops than the Mandy system, the Mantis will die out and the private companies will take control. So Punjab is commonly known as India's breadbasket, as they are the producer of nearly 11% of India's cotton, 19.5% of India's wheat, 11% of India's rice, and the producer of 2% of the entire world's uh, cotton. Um, uh, What is it here? 2% of its wheat and 1% of its rice. So that that is a lot. Um, The farmers from the Punjab, Haryana, Rajasthan, and Uttar Pradesh regions are marching towards the national 
uh, capital and are demanding for the union government to either withdraw the three legislators or guarantee them the minimal support price, MSP. That's a term that uh, will come up in this article for their uh, crops by introducing a new law. So according to Punjab's government, 3,300 Punjabi farmers had committed suicide from 2000 to 2019 due to high farm debt. 536 farmers took their lives just last year in 2019. And as of this year, there are already 65 recorded suicides as deaths are increasing during the pandemic. The pandemic has hit people across the world in many different uh, kinds of places. It's especially tough on these Punjab farmers. So if you get the chance to read more information about this crisis, please do. If I, you know, mispronounce any of the words incorrectly, I apologize, but this is very important news and I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, so in not as important news, in sports news, uh, my New Orleans Saints in the NFL improved to 9-2 and two on the season after defeating the, the, the Denver Broncos 31-3. to three. The Saints winning isn't even the story. The real story is the Broncos' quarterback situation where the team essentially ran out of quarterbacks to play, including all of their backups after all their quarterbacks were deemed ineligible to play due to corona- coronavirus concerns. Kendall Hinton, who is a uh, a wide receiver off of the practice squad, he was forced into action where he put up individual scores of one out of 19 completions for 13 yards, one sack, two interceptions, and a passer rating of zero. Lord bless this man. (laughs) He is going through a lot here. Uh, In boxing news, Mike Tyson, 54. If you don't know the name, uh, look it up. He's from the the hangover. So he's 54 years old. He recently fought in an exhibition boxing match with Roy Jones Jr., who's 51. They both came out of retirement for this exhibition match. After seven rounds, the match ended in a draw, which is a little dicey, as I thought Mike had won. But these guys look great for their age. Both fighters were known as the best in their craft in their their primes. Rapper Snoop Dogg performed some of the songs and even gave gave, uh, some commentary for the fight. One of the funnier lines he said during the fight was how this expletive, like two of my uncles fighting at the barbecue. Oh, Snoop Dogg. So also boxing was YouTuber Logan Paul and ex-NBA player Nate Robinson. It's important to note that Logan Paul has had a decent amount of training for someone new to the sport, and he's also been in a couple matches already. He knocked out Nate Robinson at... A minute, 35 seconds of the second round, and meme creators everywhere rejoiced. So now on to local and national news. Uh, So within the city, Don Iveson will not be running uh, for re-election as mayor of Edmonton in 2021. He has been mayor since the 2013 municipal election and was a member of city council before that from 2007 to 2013. You can listen to more of Don Iveson and Ryan Jesperson on Ryan Jesperson's podcast, Real Talk. Um, he was on the first or the inaugural episode. Ex-Toronto Raptor Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, nicknamed Hustleman Chap, signed a new deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So best of luck with the new team, Rondé. From Edmonton CTV News, this one was not... Um, this one was kind of tough. And it came out on the news recently that our premier, uh, Jason Kenney, um, when it comes to talking about COVID-19, there was a recent anti-mask protest held in Calgary um, that when Jason Kenney was asked about it, he was very quiet on. But he also came out in the news after that where he talked about blaming the South Asian community for the recent spike in COVID-19 cases. This was very 
uh, hard to listen to. I just felt like there was a lot of scapegoating involved. Um, it wasn't it wasn't fair to the South Asian community, um, especially because uh, Diwali, the um, holiday, had just passed recently. Um, and it, to me, it just showed that there was. It just, uh, let's call it for what it is. It looked like racism to me. When you have groups of people, primarily whites, uh, that are involved in this protest after coming out in the news and like recently saying how um, there's no indoor or outdoor gatherings of more than 10 people to not condemn these actions, but then to shift the blame to the South Asian community. I, it was very frustrating for me to read. Um, I know Buena had talked about uh, her thoughts to me about this as well. Um, but it's just something important to note. Um, I know some people out there, maybe you don't care about politics. Maybe it doesn't affect you as much. Um, but let me tell you this new segment and, and reading about news like this, it is important. It's important to be aware of what's happening uh, in your community. It's important to know where your votes are going towards. And I think like whether, um, you voted in the last provincial election or not, it's important to take note of these examples and to consider them and how important your vote matters. I know the elections, a lot of people don't want to talk about elections. Like we just had them in Canada. They, in the United States, whew, that is a whole other thing. But it's just, just we want to keep in mind keeping uh, the people we elect accountable. So let's just remember this moment. And, um, and be there for our South Asian community. They've, they do a lot for us. The last thing I wanted to say in general was with COVID-19 numbers continuing to be on the rise in Alberta, I believe Alberta's like either the number one or the number two province with the highest amount of cases, number two, which is unbelievable. Um, so please continue to follow social distancing protocol, wash your hands often, and let's please get through this together. Without further ado, I would like to introduce to the show, Buena. Uh, hello. Hi, Buena. Uh, how Hi. are you doing? I'm good. Okay, so I actually wanted to, if you don't mind. Yes, please. Of, please take, take the floor. Kind of, first of all, my prayers go out to the Punjab farmers. I can't quite talk about it because like, I am not knowledgeable enough to actually kind of create an opinion or even express anything, but I will send my prayers to them. It seems like they're having a really tough time, especially with the pandemic. In terms of sports, I don't know anything about sports, so I okay. can't talk about that either. <laughs> I'm like, you're like saying all these things. I'm like, is that a good thing or bad? He's laughing. Okay, so it's funny. Okay, cool. Like, I don't know. Was it it's like, it's like, was he talking about hoggy or was it about like yeah we, we, we which one was it <laughs> like <laughs> we covered a lot covered a lot i know i was like I, I don't know the difference anymore it's like merging into one but with the local one just because i have talked about it with my students so it's like a bit more fresh in my head i think it's also important to note that kenny actually said that he didn't blame anyone that he wasn't blaming anyone i don't know if you actually like, oh wow. looked at what okay. he said so he was like he basically said, okay, so the South Asian community, um, blah, 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 you know, their large family gatherings are a beautiful tradition, 
right? But we have to remember that it's the law now that we can't have large indoor, like you can't even have any indoor social gatherings in your own house. You can have it at the mall for sure, but not in your own house, right? So he went on to say that and then he followed it by saying, uh, this is not like to blame or target anyone, which I thought was very kind of, even my students right away picked up on it and was like, what do you mean you're not targeting or blaming anyone? You literally singled a specific community out. You can't just say you're not blaming them. That's like me saying, hey, Eric, you're causing a ruckus everywhere. But I'm not saying it's your fault, okay? I'm not <laughs> saying it's you. I know I said your name, but I'm not trying to target you, right? It's yeah, like, you're like backtracking on your words. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of you know that kind i don't want to say racist thing to do but it's the thing when people are like okay i have i have black friends or i have asian friends so i can say this as if that if you have friends in that community you can't be prejudiced or racist against that community right so just something to kind of keep in mind that he never actually did say and he did specifically say that he wasn't trying to blame anyone don't know how that makes sense and he hasn't spoken up about it at all like demands have been made to either talk about the protesters or to apologize to the south asian community and we haven't heard back from him yet it's like hashtag where's kenny again yeah (laughs) yeah so just something i wanted to talk about because i thought that was interesting sort of it's like everyone sort of thinks that, I mean, you can tell that he's blaming the South Asian community, but he actually backtracked and said that he wasn't trying to. Yeah, and, he's, he was probably like, oh, wait, I need their votes. Uh, let me... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> let me just say, like, I have friends in the South Asian community. <laughs> just say. And he said this in a South Asian radio station, I'm pretty sure. Like, the, the interview happened in a South Asian station. So the host, I believe, was also South Asian. And he actually, like talk to him like sure like there is a higher spread within south asian communities like he's acknowledged that however like you need to kind of think about other possibilities you can't make an assumption that it's because of large social gatherings because there's no data to back it up right and he actually posed like perhaps like the reason as to why we're seeing more spread in that community is because a lot of south asians don't have jobs that allow them to work at home Mm -hmm. right a lot of them don't have that privilege they're grocery workers they're taxi drivers right like a lot of them are immigrants like so they're more exposed to COVID-19 naturally because they're outside more so you can't automatically assume that it's because of large social gatherings like how dare you make an assumption that they're breaking the law so that's my piece. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and now we can do a proper introduction. But thank you very much for your yes. for your input. Um, so Buena, you, I know you as a funny, energetic person. You are a fantastic party host. Um, you're also Filipina. You come from the Zamboanga del Norte province. Did I pronounce that correctly? Zamboanga del Norte, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we also met over BLB camp, and you also went to Mac. 
So, I, you know, I, I just seem to can't go more than a couple episodes without getting somebody from Mac High School. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Record numbers Mac here. represent. Yeah. Uh, you are also a U of A graduate and a current student teacher. When did you graduate? I didn't. Gra- I'm actually graduating. Well, I'm convocating. Oh, okay. June 2021. But I f- basically finished all my courses. So after this practicum, which is sadly ending next week. Oh, man. So whoa, whoa. What? Next week? Yeah. I was oh, my like, gosh. I- I think like the past few weeks, I've been crying in my car like every day. I'm just like, I'm not ready to let go of my students yet. Oh my and gosh. I'm just like, it's next week. It's coming up so quickly, December 10th specifically. Yeah, and I'm practically done. I'm going to try to look for a job afterwards to save some money. Although that's going to be difficult given the current situation. But, you know, wish me luck. Definitely. I think everybody listening right now wishes you the best. <laughs> I feel like they also feel my anxiety, especially if they haven't graduated yet. Kind of, mm. Or if they're graduating this year. Graduating this year is scary. Right? Yeah, I, I saw a tweet talking about how like um, they're, they're canceling graduations for schools, but they don't cancel in-person Black Friday shopping. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that I was scared for retail workers. Just thinking, because I've been to the mall where I actually had to like exit myself out. Like I stepped inside, saw the amount of people, and I was like, okay. You're like, nope. I'm just going <laughs> to leave <laughs> this little dungeon right now. So that, and that's in a regular weekday. So imagine during Black Friday. I don't know how it was like. I heard it wasn't as bad as they expected that's what i heard i'm not quite sure because i wasn't there but it was still bad considering that it's a pandemic yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. so um i also have a quick story before we get on oh. without uh further ado um so we went to uh, tell me if tell me if you remember this or, or if i'm if you remember or you can fill in the details or details or not (laughs) no 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 um so there was one time we we were in a group this was pre-covid obviously we were went as a group and we went to um k days or klondike days whatever yeah and uh i know we were checking out some roller coaster rides and there's this one roller coaster in particular where you're like "Ah, i don't want to go i don't want to go so we're in this long lineup we're like i can't do this i can't do this so we're getting closer to the line and i was like bueno we're like, yeah. And I was like, listen, you believe in God, don't you? <laughs> you're like, you're like, yes. And I was like, then you shouldn't be scared because maybe you'll see him. <laughs> I don't remember it, but for some reason it feels familiar. So, okay. <laughs> was it the one that's like where you're facing someone directly and it like goes back and forth like a banana? Oh yeah, uh, you know that might that might be the one, possibly. Right. I think it was that one because I'm pretty sure I I died a little bit on that ride. Because mm. like I could feel my body being lifted up as it was like going <laughs> up, and then I could see the people because like you're facing them, right? So when you're up, 
you could see directly down you and yeah. I'm just I'm gonna fall like they can see the them. fear in your eyes like yeah as you... I was like you they probably saw my soul just like leave my body oh goodness graciousness k-days k-days was fun yeah sad that it's can it was canceled i hope they they canceled it right yeah yeah they canceled it like all like even in toronto i know they have like toronto has their own k-days i don't know what it's called there but i hope it's count like it was canceled all over i've been sad if we were the only province that didn't get to enjoy it no 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 i'm i'm sure it was canceled nationwide um so yeah to get back into uh teaching here uh let's start off with why do you think education and going to school is so important and why is following up with current news uh, so important oh that's a toughie like right away i thought i was gonna be like why did you want to go to education i thought it was gonna be like that Oh, that's that's the next question but let's (laughs) uh (laughs) it started off like uh it wasn't gradual. It was like the first, like such a hard question. Why is education important? I feel like it also depends on how you, def- like, I feel like first and foremost, you would need to define education, right? Everyone has like a different definition for education. For me, education is, you know, instilling skills and knowledge to our students doesn't matter what age you're like you are and like you know giving them that those as tools for them to be able to critically think that's like the biggest thing for me it's like it shouldn't be about memorizing information i don't think that's what education is about i think it's being able to achieve all these skills and use them as tools in order for you to be able to think and kind of live your life appropriately, not appropriately, functionally, functionally and respectfully, you know, like learning all like it, it's great if you know how to do two times two, but I think the underlying principle is like being able to calculate and like problem solve. So critical thinking, problem solving, and living with your peers. I think that's the main thing about education. I think that's why it's so important. I mean, you can see when someone has been educated, but they didn't really bring that, you know, like education home with them. And you can see the difference between a person who is educated and, you know, brings like kind of carries themselves as an actual educated person and you can just see the way they interact with people right right so like i like to, i like the phrase because you see it in memes now the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell and then if, if someone were to be like okay what does that mean and you're like oh like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so then what have you learned <laughs> it's like it's the powerhouse of the cell that's that's what it is that's yes. why like in um in my science classes it's like, yeah, of course they need to learn about the information. That's just a part of, you know, school. That's part of the program of studies. But most of the time, it's like maybe they learn it, like they learn a little bit, like maybe 30 minutes. And then the most of it is just them exploring, like learning how to investigate, experimenting, and kind of like 
you know, think is like, okay, how can we create this experiment or how can we fix this experiment or like, oh, this didn't work so well. Should we just give up? No, we should probably persevere and see like how we can make it work. Right. I think those are the most important things about education. And like now that I'm student teaching and I can actually like interact with students and there's actual students that I can talk to, I really find that most of teaching is interacting with your students and like having conversations that go beyond just do you understand this right that go beyond what did you learn today in math what did you learn today in science it's like learning about who they are as people and kind of helping them find themselves and like find ways to comprehend the world around them like helping them navigate through the world around them i think that's i i find that that's the bulk of teaching i think so too i think that like for me um teachers are role models they mm -hmm. act as the parents when the parents aren't there um and that's why you have to conduct yourself in such a manner to instill like certain values growing up uh, and to let people know that like their importance and that they matter and that they're oh, not yeah. just a number they're not they're not just people funding the school like <laughs> they are like the future there are they are yeah they are the future and so it's important yeah. that um I mean, my, my first question was more about formal education, but yeah, you're right. You, you, you can definitely get education all types of ways. There's a uh, quote unquote street smarts that mm -hmm. like <laughs> you don't, you don't really get uh, from school. Um, but like it's, there's knowledge all around, but like, I think for me, like it's the most important thing is like shaping young people to be the future of the future of tomorrow. Oh, so, <laughs> and they're so bright. Like, Honestly, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's been scientifically proven that each generation students get smarter than the previous, right? Because they just acquire more knowledge. Well, I'd hope so. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it doesn't seem like it where I kind of have like a big question mark in my head. I'm just like, you're a grade six. It's like, what's happening here? Oh, like, shout out. Yes. <laughs> no, like they're like there are moments where I question, but like, and then there are moments where they just blow my mind. Right. Yeah. But going back to like formal education, like why it's important, that's a bit more, I think for me, I think it's just because of how society is. And that's why formal, like by formal, do you mean like going to post-secondary and actually having like an institution, right? Is that what you mean by formal? Well, I like, uh, like all, all, all kinds of institutions. So like elementary, junior high. Yeah. High school. Right. Like an actual institution, like something that, you know, that's either getting paid by the government or you, you're paying yourself. Right. Right. To get that education. Right. I think it's just because of how society is. That's why it's become so important. Just having an, I mean, it sounds bad, but you know, like being like having a formal education will get you further in life. Unfortunately, most of the time, will get you further in life than not having it. And it's just because of how our society is structured. I mean, it'd be great if we didn't need to spend all this time and money for us to get somewhere, but it is what it is. But in terms of just like 
informal education and other types of education, I think they're still important and it's very, it's integral to nurturing yourself, like holistically. Definitely. Okay, so let's get to the easy one. <laughs> um, what made you t- decide to get into teaching in the first place? Uh, this is, uh, oh, I'll try to summarize it, but it's pretty long. Like, I'll try to, like, you can, like, maybe cut it, like, when you're editing it, you can cut it, <laughs> just, like, splice it together. We'll see, we'll see. No, I wasn't always in education. I don't know if you know that. I wasn't, like... I was in the education program. I was initially in sciences, right? And I was hoping to either become a doctor, a dentist, or a psychologist. It just gave like anything that gave a doctor in front of my name basically was like the goal at that time. Mm -hmm. But like it was initially like it was dentistry. It was like big, big, big on dentistry. Like I still have my like dentistry kit that I had prepared to prepare for the dad exam, which is the dentistry exam to get in. It's like the equivalent of MCAT. And then I like being a teacher never even crossed my mind at that point. But I was like, okay, I'm going to go into dentistry. And then first year of university, I took two courses of psychology and I fell in love with psychology and was like, already felt so much anxiety being like, oh my God, I have to tell people that I don't want to be a dentist anymore. That I want to be like in psychology, but you know what? It's fine because it still has like, you know, you can be a doctor and like you'd be a psychologist, but you'd still be a doctor technically. Right. So it's like, okay, that's cool. So I went into psychology and I loved psychology and like, till now it's still like, it's still, I would say like psychology is still a love of mine like it's still there like I still like for the upcoming masters I'm doing it actually has a lot to do with psychology of education so psychology I still very much love but during that time I was always interested that's when I sort of fell into research it was like okay psychology involves a lot of research so I'm gonna look for research and such and see like what I can do so I was involved in many and one of them um, required me to go out in the field and collect data, right? And I collected data from students, specifically like elementary students, because they wanted to see how effective their program was. And that program initially also took a look at how external factors such as low socioeconomic status and being like a student from a non-nuclear home so a non-nuclear means like you know you don't have two parents basically right so um how that kind of affects the way their academic achievements how it affects their academic achievements so I went there and I was like hey I'm just gonna do my job because I was always interested in child psychology too and like kind of see like how yeah how does it affect like academic achievement I'm sure it won't be like a good like it wouldn't be a positive thing, obviously, right? So I went there and it made me realize how privileged I was as a growing up because I went to St. Rose and you said Archbishop McDonald. Mm-hmm. And they're both very well-funded schools. They have great teachers. The school looks amazing. Like, I don't know if anyone has seen Mac, but Mac is 
has this like weird shape, you know, and you can tell that doesn't come from like poor students that coming to, like funding that no like that's and I I'm pretty sure like in junior high, I remember myself funding for other schools like raising fun like doing fundraisers for other schools, not even for my own school, but for other schools like that's how privileged we were. You know what I mean? So yeah, so I went there. I was like, holy, like, oh my goodness, graciousness. Like, what is this? Like, it felt like, like prison. It felt like prison. Like it was like just brick walls. And I was like, I walked through that. And that's for kids. That's for elementary students. And there were no color, like just so dull. And like, I just saw like when I had my, like the person I was uh, collecting data from, they just looked super sad like there, there was no life in them damn so no color in the walls no color in the person at all either no and like i don't i can't say like names of the schools but it was on the north side mm. like on the north end i don't know if that will like paint a picture for some people but it was in the north end and it was just super sad like that was just one school and then another school like there was like trees all over like covering the the building it just looked super creepy and there's like long dark hallway and they didn't have like designated they didn't even have a designated space for students to like take a break or whatever like it was just super bleak and then one student i i had just i was like they couldn't get through the assessment like they kept getting distracted and of course at that time i didn't have my teacher skills now you know to <laughs> focus them i didn't have that because mm. You know, contrary to popular belief, teachers are not born teachers. <laughs> they don't just acquire these skills. They're learned. So anyways, I was like, okay, dude, we got to get through this, man. Like, we can do this. Let's, let's just answer more questions. And then the student, like, looked me right in the eyes. Like, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? It's like, I'm stupid, okay? I'm dumb. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to get anywhere in life. I'm not going to go to high school. I'm dumb. I already know it. So why are you testing me? And I was just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. What do like, Oh, I'm just like, uh, who said you were dumb? It's like, everyone says I'm dumb. My teacher says I'm dumb. My parents say I'm dumb. And I'm like, okay, well, you're not, you're, you're amazing. Like you've answered so many questions already. Like you, you're doing great so far. You can do this, but like my heart broke. Like my heart broke right then. And like during that, like throughout, I was, I was doing it for like maybe three, four months. And during those months, I just started thinking like, I, I feel like I need to be in the education field, not necessarily as a teacher, but I need to be in the education field to, you know, to start making a change because this is not right. And I'm very like idealistic as a person where I'm like, I need to make change for like make the world better. So that was like the first thing. And it was always in the back of my head. I never actually acted on it. It took a while for me to actually transition into the program, if that makes sense. So I don't know if you want to hear that story about the transition and how I got there, but basically that's how I started to realize why I wanted to be in education. No, that that's, that's incredible. Like that, I mean, I felt like that was very powerful and it showed kind of how 
you were kind of pulled in that direction. Like you had a calling. And I think that that's how it is for a lot of professions. Like for me, like I, I'm a social worker in my nine to five job. And for me, like it's about my passion for children and families being together as much as possible, maintaining that connection and doing what we can uh, to help less fortunate families. Um, And then so like that profession kind of like coincided with my beliefs and I naturally kind of gravitated to that area. So that, no, that was a perfect example. And like that, that story was very, very, very tough. Um, In my field, I've also encountered stories like that, but I think they, they're important reminders of letting people know that, Hey, like, there are people that live these completely different lives than we do. And there are a lot of things that we can take for granted. And um, so it's important to know the outliers and to help people where we can and and do what we can. And of course, like you, like I know when with your circumstance, with your circumstance, you weren't just like, I'm dropping everything. I need to be a teacher right now. Like, no, like it, it, it takes time. This isn't like a superhero transformation. Like you, you, you take, the, maybe it is, but like, like similar to how like superheroes, like take the time to learn their powers and kind of maneuver and whatever. Like this is, this is your superhero story where you're like, um, okay, well this isn't right. I got to do something. How do we get there? So yeah. I really, I really like that. And you know, interestingly enough, it took me dropping out of school for me. I don't know if you knew, I dropped out for a semester. I knew that. Yeah. So I dropped out for a semester and that's when I finally had the courage to transition into uh, the bachelor's of education. Because like, I mean, I'm sure like if Asian people are watching this, they know unfortunately like the profession of teaching it's not very you know appreciated as much so that's why I said the transition process was very difficult because like I mean you know me I'm very academic driven and I'm very you know like I aim to please and reach the expectations of those around me and my biggest fear, I'm, and I'm still kind of struggling with this, is like kind of disappointing the people around me. Like that's my biggest fear. So like I was so scared to go, like I've always known in the back of my head that I wanted, like that I had to be in education. You know what I mean? Like ever since that moment, it's always lingered in the back of my head that like I need to be in education because that's what I keep thinking about. And I feel like that's where I'm going to make my difference. Like, you know, that's where I'm going to make a difference. But I was like, but you know what? If I do that, people are going to think that it's because I failed in psychology or I failed in dentistry and that I only did teaching because I couldn't be successful. You know what I mean? Like that, like that. And, that, the- and it's wrong. And you know what's wrong now. Yeah. It, yeah, definitely. But I like, I know it's wrong. Like, I know that's not why I went into education. I was so scared that people would think that and would think less of me as a person. So it took a long time. It, I think 
So I like, I'm not going to name names, but I had a conversation with this person and like, I mean, I wouldn't say that I looked up to them. Like, no, that's a bit of a reach. They just inspired me. Their story inspired me basically because this person is basically doing the thing that they were passionate about and like just seeing them kind of like, cause it was like a, we just had like a conversation, like we hung out and then they were just like, okay, let me just quickly do this. And I was like, okay. And then I just asked like, oh, like seems difficult. Like, how are you able to still do it? It doesn't make a lot of money right at the get go. And I know money is a big motivator for a lot of people. So I was like, how are you able to kind of push yourself? And then they just talked about how it's what they wanted, wanted to do. And that's what they love to do. And you know, like, it's not like this person wasn't even successful to begin with, because they were in an academic program that was like very well respected. But then they, you know, trade, I, I don't want to say dropped out, but they traded that in order for them to uh, be able to pursue their passion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's awfully brave of you. You know, like, and so after that conversation, I just started reflecting and I was like, maybe I should stop thinking about what other people want to like, you know, I should stop thinking about other people and start thinking about myself and see what I want to do. Because like, if I'm looking at this person, they're shining so brightly, like in my eyes, they're like, it's like imaginary rays coming out of them. Right. Sounds very <laughs> like cringy but like that's what it was like it looked like there was like shy like light shining behind them and I was like oh like oh my gosh like this person is just like you know when you look at someone and your image of them just completely changes yeah you, you see that in anime a lot uh <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where the light coming out <laughs> yeah so that was like my anime life and my real life just merged into one. But basically, I just looked at them, like, sitting on that couch, on their computer, doing, like, you know, arranging, making all these arrangements, and, like, like shine, like, I, I'm sure they did notice this at the time, but, like, there was, like, a sparkle in their eye, and I'm just, like, I could have just been, like, you know, kind of projecting onto them. I don't know, but, like, I was, like, oh, my God. I need to be this person. Like I need to follow their lead. And so obviously the first thing I did was did the exact same thing they did. And, you know, just be like, okay, I'm just not going to go to school for a semester and see where it goes and just do whatever I want to do. And that's when I was like, yep, nope, it's definitely education. I'm going to apply right now. And my friends were like, we knew it we knew you're going to go into education. And I was like, if you knew, why didn't you tell me? Like, what? (laughs) They're just like, oh yeah, I've known it since we were like in high school. Like you were going to go into education. I'm like, then why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you say so? Like you made me waste so much money. Yeah. (laughs) My student (laughs) loans were racking up and you didn't say anything. I know. I was like, (laughs) that is so like, they were just like, yeah, we knew. And I'm like, okay, thanks for letting me know. Cool. But yeah, that's basically the the story of my transition and how that person was like the anime person 
help me realize <laughs> that I should. Yeah. I think like it's very important um, to talk about that because I think for a lot of like specifically like Asian people, East Asian, mm. South Asian, it's very common to think that like um, there's only one way to be successful in life. There's only one path. Yes. Education and schooling is very important and I'm not knocking that off at all. It gets you very far and it helps you learn more about the world around you. And it's mm -hmm. very, yeah, very, very important. The other thing is that um, there are many different kinds of jobs in the world okay. and there are many different kinds of jobs that fit the lifestyle and the values of different people. Um, teachers are just as important as CEOs, which are just as important as janitors, which are just as important as mailmen. Like there is, there is a reason why society has all of these different people doing these things together because they contribute and they, they're a large part of the, the like cog that like runs. Yeah. You know it's I mean? all necessary. It's all very necessary. Also don't forget arts. Arts is very important. Yes. Yes. Arts. Oh my God. <laughs> Like, With, <laughs> you mentioned like you're like come on the, come on come on arts arts you like have a list you're, music arts sports you're come Filipino. on you should Give be me. talking about this yes arts community yeah, singing shout out, dancing shout acting. out to the arts community without you guys there would be nothing to watch on netflix I, yeah i have so much respect for people in the arts honestly like it's so sad because people look down on them right and they're like Oh, like writers, especially, right? Writers. People are just like, oh, if you're a writer, ugh, you're not going to make money or ugh, you're not smart. And I'm like, do you know how much, you know, intelligence you actually need? Creativity, problem solving in order for you to write, right? Or even mm -hmm. like to choreograph something, to visually, you know, look at something and create all these different arrangements that takes a lot of intelligence. Like it's a different type of intelligence that you know, but intelligence regardless, right? I'm just like, oh my, I have so much respect for that because I could never do, I could never do what they do. I can memorize like a whole encyclopedia for sure and write research papers, but to do what the arts community do and like just excel at it and inspire people, I could never stop. Clap sound effect. Yes, clap. Okay, insert, clap, all right. Insert. Effect. Thank you. <laughs> we will do that. <laughs> for the arts. Woohoo! For the arts community. <laughs> I don't know what sound effect that is with that. Woohoo! <laughs> Maybe we don't need one. I'll just use that. Um, yeah. Woohoo! Arts. <laughs> um, Buena, did you have any teachers as role models for you, whether you knew them or if they were fictional? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to ask you that first. What kind of teachers do you remember? when you were in just like in anything elementary high school junior high university uh well for me my favorite teacher of all time would be mr fian who was my uh junior high teacher he was also my wrestling coach Ooh. um and he he was a, like he was so passionate at his job um he was he made teaching fun he made learning fun he made you feel like you were important and he was very personal. Like I think his like mother passed away or something that year and he was able to 
there was one moment I'll never forget where like he told us about what had happened and like he was like yeah that's why I've had like student teachers like the last or substitute teachers for the last little bit of just being dealing with things in my family and then um like he's he's um Irish yes he's Irish and um he shared he sang a song from his like culture like that was that they played at the funeral and it was like oh very emotional and I great guy fun guy like I said he was my coach he coached me to uh gold medal in wrestling in junior high you know just a little flex uh (laughs) but like one of the the, one of the funny things with Mr. Fian was like there was a question I asked him and like at the time I was like I like I, I was kind of in shock but like I was in shock of the wisdom that he like opened my mind to and it's it's gonna sound dumb (laughs) trust me it's gonna sound dumb but to me like when I think about it I'm like wow that was profound so (laughs) there I was uh I went to him and then um I was like Mr. Fian I've got a question I was like what is it Eric and then um I said he was like I was like what is the difference between Irish and Scottish people and he was like eric what's the difference between chinese and japanese people and i was like uh wow like that was uh you got a point like i don't know like Like, what is the difference Hmm. yeah he he like took my base like assumption and like ignorance and like flipped it on me and i was like (laughs) okay that was that was touche touche mr fan um and then for a non-fiction uh sorry for a fictional sorry that was my non-fictional choice for my fictional choice uh mr fian hmm. wait no i just said mr <laughs> fian like, no, like, no, 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 like, no 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 uh no uh mr mr feeney mr feeney from um the tv show from oh it's really old boy meets world oh my god no it's not that old <laughs> <laughs> boy meets world yes i grew up on that show mr feeney uh he was like a, he like oh my goodness sorry he's old is what i'm saying okay, okay. he was born in Thank 1927 you. i didn't oh mean the God. show is old yeah he was yeah, born in 1920 he's uh wow he's f- wait no way 1927 yeah 1927 he's like four years he was born four years uh after my grandma oh my- 19 yeah he's 19 no he's still he's still alive no he's still alive You're, is this a prank <laughs> no like i'm looking he he's still he's 93 years old and he's alive i don't know wow. why that's like a big thing that he's alive but he's oh my god stay away from covid mr daniel <laughs> yes, stay away. We, we need to preserve you yes he's a nash he's a treasure um Okay, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I need to watch more Boy Meets World. I think it's on, I think it's on Disney Plus. But well, he's not. He wasn't that old in Boy Meets World. Like mm. I'm looking at his pictures then, but now he's like super duper old. Obviously, he's 93. Yeah, it'd be amazing if he still looked like Ryan Reynolds. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, he's 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 doing well. He's alive and well. Nice. He even stopped an attempted burglar, burglar, burglary, burglary. Burglary, wow. Burglary. Yeah. Dang, oh. you go. You mm-hmm. go, Mr. Daniel. No <laughs> wonder you look up to him. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. your turn. 
I I did um I've never had unfortunately I've never had like growing up had a teacher who was like a big deal to me like I've had teachers where like I was like friends with them right but none of them ever was like inspiring sorry teachers sorry mac teachers <laughs> sorry st rose teachers <laughs> sorry filipino teachers sorry toronto teachers like i'm so sorry like i just toronto yeah i came from toronto so i went what? from yeah oh i went from i went from philippines then went to toronto obviously because that's like the normal route to mm. go to toronto first and then moved to edmonton yeah, so that was I the, like I thought the normal route was to go to BC because you're crossing the Pacific. No, Toronto is like the hub for Filipinos. If you like, hmm. if you go to Toronto, it's like all Filipino. Like I went to Toronto, and I legit thought I was still in the Philippines. Like I completely forgot I was in Canada. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Yes, <laughs> you do that thing where you're like, and then everybody like turns around. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, but you know, well, you know what's sad? I don't turn around as much anymore. When go when people say, Psst, "I feel like I I lost I I'm losing my Filipino-ness. Is that a thing? My Fili- well, I mean, I mean, maybe maybe when you get older, maybe like because you're like, oh, that might be my like family or that might whatever. be my I don't know. yeah. I don't, I don't come know. from a big family either, so maybe oh, that's okay. why. So I'm not okay. like. And my friends are also not very, I mean, I hope they don't listen to this. Um, oh, what? Friends, <laughs> no, just, I hope they're, this part, this section, I hope they just skim through this part. Yeah. That um, they're very whitewashed. I know they're going to attack me for that, but a lot of them are whitewashed, even though they're Asians. Like, it's funny because my students are like, Miss G, you don't act Filipino. I'm like, how does a Filipino act? Tell me, how does like how does one act if they're Filipino? How how is one supposed to act? But at the same time, I get what they mean because I'm like I, I was like I am surrounded by some Filipinos, but they're also not very Filipino. Where like they're very in touch with their culture, so they're very whitewashed. So I think that's why because we don't like go to each other. We barely talk like speak our (laughs) language to each other. Right, we barely talk about Philippines to each other, so it's not. I think that's why that I feel like I'm losing it because I don't turn around. Because like if someone goes, Psst, I just assume it's for someone else. Oh my god, I I just I just think it's so funny like the way you phrase it. You're like, like someone went Psst, and I didn't turn around. I'm losing my <laughs> culture. Like it's it's the little things, right? Because people think if you know your language, then you must be. In, like you know intact with your culture but it's not it's like the little it's the little things i think like as simple as like the thing and me not turning around yeah, or that's fair that's fair yeah there's still some like filipino in me for sure like if someone turns out like plays music my first instinct is to just dance and sing to it yep and i think that's my the filipino in me coming out I kind of feel like when you say that, it makes me wonder. There, I feel like there should be more Filipino people on TikTok. Yeah, I think <laughs> there is. They're just not getting the clout that you know the virality is that mm. the thing virality, the virality that they they need. Yeah, 
there's that one <laughs> Filipino girl who's like she nods her head. Bella Bella Roach, Bella Porch, Bella Okay. Yeah, she's like very big. Hmm. She could like in one TikTok, I think she could pay off my tuition. Like a semester's wow. tuition. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. Like a school year's tuition, she could pay it off. But just like and like she's basically like super cute. Like she's like she's so pretty. And she like bobs her head. <laughs> Sounds stupid. But she bobs her head to the beat and look like make facial expressions. But they're very cute facial expressions. So she got she went viral. But she's Filipino, so represent woo woo. Nice. Representation. <laughs> yeah. She's also a vet. So like an army vet? I think so. But oh, for the wow. US, for the oh US. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is, she's doing amazing things in her life. And here I am. They're like, Johnson, stop bobbing your head. And they're like, I'm sorry, <laughs> Colonel. I like, I, this is for the TikTok when I get home. I try to pay off my student loans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, try to pay it off, man. All right. So let's get into some tougher questions here. Ooh um okay so this is this is the one this is the money question where uh, i'm sure everybody wants to hear about um so you know due due to COVID 19 due to the pandemic um there have been many challenges that came across the teaching profession Mm. Uh, most notably a lot of teachers use zoom or um kind of video conferencing to get uh their lessons across um, can you tell me about some of the barriers or struggles that you've encountered uh, in your uh, experience as a student teacher so far? So I'm, I guess like it's important first to kind of emphasize that I am speaking at a student, student teacher point of view, not a teacher's point of view. So it's still, it's like maybe there's some overlap, but it's still going to be different, right? Because there's some stuff that they do behind the scenes that I don't do like it's just not part of my scope and skill set so like that's something um I guess like we'll break it down so the first one how did it affect my practicum perhaps right like getting prepared for practicum let's start with that because we did move so for U of A education program there's two practicums that you do so there's one called the IFX which is basically the first one that you do and it prepares you for your AFX. So the IFX, there's a lot more hand-holding. Your mentor teacher kind of guides you throughout the process. And for the AFX, yes, the mentor teacher still helps you, but there's like an assumption that you're ready to teach because you've already done your IFX. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, no. It's yeah. It sounds like a kind of like, yeah. No, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. So... But my IFX was cut, so I never actually got into, like, my IFX. I got to meet the students, all 60 of them, and unfortunately, I do not remember any of their names. Sorry, my kindergartners. I'm so sorry. Those two days of getting to know all 60 of you just wasn't enough. So, (laughs) Did you at least remember all the bad kids? No, there were no <laughs> bad kids. No? Aww. Oh, lucky you. Aw. <laughs> yeah. <Aww. laughs> no, well, I didn't get to know their 
bad habits, right? There, there was some really interesting stories with them, though. Like, I did have, I still remember the moments. I just don't remember their name, if that makes sense. So, anyway, so that was cut short. And the faculty of education basically decided that they could replace that with online modules, like that experience with online modules. So that was my IFX doing online modules and answering questions and hypothetical scenarios, which I know if you can imagine is not the most realistic experience, right? So in terms of like practicum, I was not, it basically derailed a lot of people and created a lot of anxiety within my cohort. Like I remember when we went into preparing for the AFX, which is this one that I'm doing. So we had like a month worth of courses and we would just like talk about how anxious we were because like what skills did we actually acquire that would prepare us to teach, like actually teach for our AFX, right? So, and then I remember our professors, amazing professors, by the way, I have in U of A, I've had some amazing professors. Like, even though I don't remember my elementary to high school, I, I mean, I, I have, I've met some amazing professors who have inspired me to be better at my profession. Anyways, so the professors basically worked really hard to accommodate to us and they had to do this online. So I could see their struggle because they're teachers too, right? So I could see their struggle of kind of like trying to make the uh, learning fun and engaging and still up, like realistic. And there would be a lot of like, I remember they would teach me like, okay, so like in your classroom, you would do this. And I would always ask. I was like, okay, realistically speaking, like or idealistically speaking, yes, this works. But what about during COVID when a lot of us are going to be teaching online? And that was like a big question that I always asked. And most of the time people would be like, okay, let's just pretend that there's no COVID and that we're moving on. Oh <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I basically just ruined the mood every time I asked that. Cause I'd be like, okay, great. Awesome. I see how this can work in a real life environment, like in the classroom setting. Perfect. Now, what would you do if this happened online? Like, how would you achieve this in a virtual environment? And people would just be like, um, well, you know, that's difficult. I'm like, mm -hmm, I know. That's why I'm asking it. And like, that's basically. I see. <laughs> no, but I didn't say that out loud. Okay. Oh. God, no, never just inside my head. But, you know, it's kind of like, that's why I'm asking those things because we need to be realist like realistic. My peers probably hated me, but I feel like we needed to learn how to actually like prepare ourselves for an online teaching experience. So I could see the struggle there because even the professors were having a hard time. Right. And then as a student myself during that time, I could see how horrible the current online environment was for learning because you're basically on your screen for like the duration of your class. And imagine, like, I, I just imagine, I was like, I'm already so exhausted after Zoom and Zoom and Zoom and then having to do my assignments on the computer, right? So I don't actually get a break from my computer. 
So imagine an elementary student who has to go on Zoom from 8.30 to 3.10, right? I'm only doing it for like a few hours, but they're doing it from 8.30 to 3.10 p.m. Wait, sorry. Did you say um, how, how old? My students? Yeah, they're, they're, sixth they're, they're sixth grade. I completely forgot about that. Like, I feel like if I were in the sixth grade needing to attend classes in Zoom, like, I would just like... <laughs> like shut off my camera and like watch cartoons yeah it's not a it's not ideal like currently currently i keep saying currently i have to emphasize because like this could potentially change now that we've experienced online learning we could potentially improve it for in the future but for elementary Mm -hmm. students like kindergartners had to do this first graders had to do this right like we forget about how young these students are and we just we're like okay they're gonna go online and i just had to put myself in their shoes and it's like they're going from 8 30 to 3 10 and you know like people were like i think some people were saying no that's gonna be amazing for those students because they just have to stay home they don't have to go to school and i can guarantee you because i teach in person i don't teach virtually i teach in person and but they've experienced the virtual part and my students are like, no, we don't want to go back online. Like, I've never actually met a student who was like, let's study online. Like, no, they like being in school. They like having that face-to-face interaction. Yeah, because it brings you so many things. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, it's not the same. It's not the same to actually be able to see their body movements, to be able to respond in the moment you know, it's it's different. And again, the screen strains you. You just retain information and like respond differently through a screen than you would if you were facing that person actually face to face. It's just different neurons are acting, right? But basically, yeah. Anyways, I was scared for that, like having to teach online. That was a worry of mine. Like I practiced, like I looked at TikTok videos of like teachers going online and the strategies they use where they're like, mic and mute do you see the little picture mic and mute i wish the people uh listening to this on spotify could see you now but <laughs> little actions here where they have like they have like a picture of the mic what it looks like and they're mm. like mic and mute unmute yourself and mute yourself there you go buddy good job okay mm. like you know what i mean like i was practicing that all the time i was like okay like how can i make you know, they're like a bunch of basically pixels. Like they're not real people right now. Like just, pixels, yeah, right. Yeah. How am I going to make this like engaging for them? So that was a worry of mine. And then they told me like, they're like, Hey, you're going to go like face-to-face teaching. I was like, Oh, great. I think. Awesome. Sure. <laughs> I was like, yeah, cool. But then that also brought a lot of anxiety like now I'm still dealing with anxiety with COVID-19 cases rising, especially now that I've like come to love these students. I'm not saying before I wouldn't have cared. I'm just saying that I care <laughs> a little bit more hey, now. Rewind that part if you need to. <laughs> yeah. Like I care a little bit more about them now that I'm like, I would never, I could not imagine any of them getting it. Like I, I know like people are saying that like, oh, young kids are immune or not immune but like they're not gonna 
experience it as worse as an adult does. I'm like, okay, that might be true, but this is a completely unknown virus to us. And, you know, we don't know the long-term effects. That's something that we're still trying to figure out. So like, they might be completely fine, but we don't know how it's going to affect them in the long run. And I have people who have pre-existing conditions. Like my students have pre, some of them have pre-existing conditions that I'm just like, oh my God. I must protect you with all my life. <laughs> yeah, like is there is there a bubble we can maybe put you in? Yeah, like we need right? to protect this person. Um, exactly. So I'm just like constantly worried about my students and for their parents because I'm like I don't want you to like have a parent who is like sickly and like you have to worry. Yeah, exactly. Because like some some people like like they grew up they grew up with their grandparents for example, yeah. so that's always a risk. Exactly, and I do have students who are with their grandparents, so. That's just something that like ever since I went to face to face, I was like, okay, this is going to be a breeze. I don't have to worry about online strategies and like how COVID has affected that kind of teaching. But then I realized I have to worry about rules in school. Like they can't, you know, they have to socially distance and kids. I mean, I don't know if this comes as a surprise to anyone, but kids do not want to socially distance. Okay. Kids do not want to socially distance so it's like you're having to like break them apart and like the saddest thing is like if their friend is in in another grade or like another room right and then we separate our rooms and even during recess we don't interact with those students and then just seeing them kind of look over to where their friends are but they can't say hi to them and then if they start to approach them you have to be like the grinch and stop them hey (laughs) and be like i'm so sorry like i just i can't you can't be with your friend i'm so sorry like i'm so sorry i can't i'm so sorry move move and you have to pull them away like you can't be with your friend i'm so sorry so like just seeing how it has affected their everyday kind of like the regular routine in school they have to like sanitize obviously before they come in every time they use something they have to wipe it down you know masks masks are annoying i but i would never say i would never go to a protest and say no masks for everyone no not to that point but i can vouch that it is annoying especially if you're like talking constantly for like hours and hours and you know students don't always know how to shut up it's like they're listening this <laughs> if you're listening to this kids um it's not about you it's a, it's a different class i'm teaching even though i told you you're the only class i've ever taught in my entire <laughs> life completely different class uh. you know they don't always know how to shut up so it's like you're trying to talk over through the mask and then talk over the students and it's just like a whole like <sighs> Like, oh my goodness. And then like when you yell, like, I don't know if you've ever tried this, but like the stronger you project with your mask on, the more it sticks to your face. Mm -hmm. So like it makes a suction in your mouth and I get self-conscious. I'm like, what do I look like to my students right now? So there's that. And then. Mm -hmm. Something that I, I, I was actually thinking about was like, to maybe like not only just students but like parents that maybe have like thicker accents and they're already hard enough to understand and then when you add the mask like just becomes a little bit more difficult like yeah that i haven't encountered that but i can definitely see that being 
a problem or even with students who are or like individuals in general who are quieter on the quieter side and they don't necessarily want to speak up and I'm sure like you've I don't know if you've ever experienced this but you know when someone asks you to repeat something three times and you get embarrassed right so there's yeah I would just like write a note (laughs) yeah (laughs) just like okay this is what I said yeah so I've never encountered because the thing is we are not even allowed to meet actually meet parents like that anymore right because covid like it's sad like parents can't even enter the school anymore because we're trying to limit interactions right so like i think one of my students i'm allowed to say this yeah i'm allowed to say this nothing bad one of my students did something stupid i'm kidding no it's like um one of my students got into a little accident and you know they hurt themselves and the parent came into the school be like oh my god like what happened to my child but then we had to kick the parent out I was like I'm sorry like we originally like my mentor teacher thought that it was okay and then it was like oh no it's actually not okay for you to come in sorry my bad just wait outside we promise we will bring you back your child in one piece right it's it's like definitely things have changed like it's Weird because now I've, I've grown accustomed to how things are. But if I kind of start to look back, it's definitely different from how we experience school. 100%. What can you tell me about the recent uh, teacher strike over the past summer? That one was the, sorry, there's a lot of, not strike, we're going to call it protest. Thank you. Yeah, because strike sort of implies that they stopped working and teachers never stopped working. Mm. so we're gonna call it protest is that okay cool. yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I hope i don't offend you by saying it's a protest that one was specifically about correct me if i'm wrong because there's been quite a few but that one was specifically about the budget cuts am i right is that the one you're talking about yeah okay yeah that's right that's right yeah so that one I was still in school when this was happening. Like I had summer school, like summer classes. So I wasn't really as into it, but I did like, we did talk about it in, in our classes. And basically what had happened is like the, I guess the minister of education would be more, cause they're in charge of overseeing the budgets. Right. So they have decreased the budgets for teachers. And this really this didn't sit well with teachers not because we wanted like they wanted to get paid more i know a lot of people thought that it was about a pay increase like that's not what it's about but rather because that meant that we had to cut our class like we had to have bigger classrooms in terms of like more students in one classroom right because they were cutting budgets so we didn't have enough classrooms for each student so we basically have to push them all in into one that's when like split classes happen right Mm, okay okay. and i'm going to interrupt you just really quickly uh, before you continue with your tangent but what would you say is an ideal number of kids in uh in one single classroom ideal oh okay Mm, it really depends because it depends on the students that you have if you have students who all need support, like very, they need individual supports, high, high supports, like 
then I would say like 10, like if all of them, 10, 15, right? If I, my kindergartners, for instance, I know I, I was only with them for like, like two days. If <laughs> they were like functioning the way they were in a kindergartner level at a different, like in a grade three level, because they were very smart, like they're very advanced and very well behaved, no behaviors. I could handle like 25, 30 of them, right? I'd be able to handle that, sure. And I think they would still succeed. But is that a realistic like environment? No, it's not. Because you're never going to have a group of students where they're just all, you know, prim and proper and don't need support. And they can like, they're just very advanced for the age. And even then, like if they're advanced for the age, then you would want to, give them supports to challenge them anyways right so but what i'm saying i guess like it's more like the range so if everyone's in the same level then you can handle multiple of them but if everyone's like operating at different levels and you're having to like accommodate different things then you're going to need smaller classroom sizes which is the more realistic one and you know this isn't something like where teachers are just spouting random nonsense this is backed up like they did research and research on this and they've seen how bigger classroom sizes are detrimental to our students it's not even for like oh teachers just want to lessen their load like no that's not it it's literally for your kid it's for the students like it's not for us it's for the students you know like we could we could just teach them and not care whether they're getting it or not right? Just be like, okay, this is the information you need to know. You're going to have a test tomorrow. We could do that easy peasy. That would make our lives way easier, but we don't. We try to make it interesting for everyone and be like, okay, this person likes M&Ms and this person likes Skittles. So now I need to make it interesting so that the people who like M&Ms, you know, have fun and the people who like Skittles have fun. Yeah. Cause you, you obviously care. Um, yeah. I'm going to drop another uh, difficult question here before we get to um, finishing up with our segments and everything. What is your opinion on post-secondary education being free? Hmm. I can, I, I just kind of like to start this off by saying that I can't give an unbiased opinion in this. (laughs) Of course not. <laughs> yeah, like I can't, I, I can't even be, I can't even try to give an unbiased opinion. So just keep that in mind. Um, I would love it if post-secondary education was free. I think it would even out the playing field for everyone. It makes it more equitable. Is it realistic? I'm not quite sure. That's, mm-hmm. I think, maybe make it more affordable per se but to make it completely free i mean i would love that but at the same time i would have to look at data that has been like research that has been done on it to see which countries or which places have free post secondary education and see how well their country is doing in all aspects so economy like you know health and like just in general like how are they doing in like in all aspects and compare it with 
countries that don't have posts, I can and see the correlation, you know, see the difference, like see if it's feasible. Mm-hmm. So basically, right? like let's let's go with the data and then trying to go yeah, from there. Like, that's what I would say. Like I would say, like if it was me, yeah, make it free. Like if I was just thinking about myself, thinking about all the people who have been deprived of you know, opportunities because they couldn't afford a post-secondary education, I would say, yeah, heck yeah, make it free. But in terms of whether it's actually practical and it's feasible, then that's kind of like where the issue would lie for me because where are we going to, I mean, teaching requires money. Like you need the staff use, like the resources that we use on campus, like the professors, the resources they use, the time that we're taking from them, those all require money, right? So if we're going to make post-secondary education free, where are we going to get that money from? Who's going to be like taxpayers? Sure. Right. But then how much of the taxpayers money? Like it's very, like, I don't want to call education a business, but (laughs) you know, there is a business aspect to it right so that's just kind of my i definitely advocate for more affordable education at least find ways to like the interest in student loans ridiculous right i like that i know trudeau even proposed i don't know what happened to that proposal but there was a proposal made i don't know if it was by trudeau actually now that i think about it but there's a proposal made that like you shouldn't pay your student loans until you start making a certain amount of money. Like interest shouldn't start to accrue until you start making a certain amount of money. And I think that would be, I would be okay with that, even if they don't make post-secondary education free, because we do have student loans and student loans are accessible to everyone. And if they make student loans so that paying them off isn't this grueling you know, I, I agree with that because like essentially what that does, because there's already the RAP program. Now, people that are in uh, post-secondary in- institutions or have, or have taken university classes, they would know more about it. But essentially that idea extends the RAP program to people, to, to a uh, wider, um, inc- what's the best way to phrase it? Like there's a wider eligibility. I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great way to look at it. The reason I posed the question was because I know a lot of the feedback has come from um, people that believe, well, I paid for my, <laughs> well, I paid for my uni- uh, university education. I pulled up my bootstraps as, as the saying goes and I, um, I did it. So why should they? And then the other argument I've heard that's common is, um, well, won't that lessen the values of degrees? To, the, to which I think, now I, I'm very ideological based as well. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, it, if there's a perfect system where it makes sense and it can be free, let's say it's like funded, you, you take more government funding and put it into education. I think it works out because then you have more people that are university educated, usually, um, countries in general that have higher levels of education perform better. The the people are more cared for. You, you look at issues um, and you're not as selfish about it. Um, Maybe, maybe that's a stretch, but 
I don't know. Like that's that that's kind of like where my thoughts are on it yeah. at the moment. I mean, in terms of like the argument, the first one where you said like, oh, if I, I paid for it already, so why shouldn't they? That's very selfish. It's like that that's a very selfish mindset. Like for me personally, if I'm graduate I obviously have student loans already. And if suddenly the government was like, okay, we're gonna make student loans more affordable or like education more affordable to everyone like it's i wouldn't be like no stop 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 it no no that's not fair that's not fair i i paid a lot of money right that's that's very it's like just because you know you went through certain adversities doesn't mean that you need to inflict that on someone else that's not how you make changes that's literally why you would that's the opposite of making a change you're literally pulling yeah. someone back because you don't want to see them succeed or you don't want you want you don't want them to you don't want to see them experience something better yeah exactly that that actually reminds me of the um practice of like you know how like when you're in, i forget the term but like when you when you come to university for the first time and you're like you join these like frat houses and then you have to do yeah. these like uh, oh, hazing 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 yeah like it's it's kind of like well I got hazed well like <laughs> why shouldn't you get hazed? why shouldn't you get you know what I mean like well hazing is horrible like let's just look at it as a whole like, yeah but, I guess like oh I got hit by a belt why shouldn't you get hit by a belt okay yeah, it's, it's <laughs> I'm gonna keep that in mind yeah that's very close-minded of them close-minded mm-hmm. and selfish and then what was the what was the other argument that oh it makes degrees less yeah lessens their value. Mm. I can I can see where they're coming from if they're seeing degrees like if they're kind of basically what that tells me they say that is that they're equating the value of degrees to how attainable they are so they're not it's not the degree itself that they hold value it's how attainable that degree is then right that's why it's that's what they're putting value in so it's kind of messed up in their part if you see degrees that way if you see the value of degrees that way then that's on you if you see degree as valuable because it you know gives it it's a indicator of what you're capable of doing and what you have acquired over the past four years like the you know the knowledge and information and skills that you've acquired over the last four years or the last even six years or 12 years or whatever then of course it's valuable. But if you're just going to see it as like, oh, you know, like it's only valuable because not everyone has it, then that's on you. Right? Very privileged. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, again, selfish. Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, let's line the topic here a little bit. Um, <laughs> very important. First of all, let me, let me not take away from that. Very important discussions we're having here. But on recent news, you're going to teach in the UK, which is exciting. Wow. Um, First of all, I don't know if everybody, if your students know this or how many people know this about, uh, about you, but my questions are here to kind of like go through this. Um, Can you tell me three things you're looking forward to, how it happens and how you're getting prepared? Okay. So uh so not it's not teaching in the uk it's pursuing my master's in the uk okay sorry thank you and just to you know like maybe this is a flex i don't know (laughs) okay okay (laughs) 
It's in University of Manchester, which is where Benedict Cumberbatch graduated from. If you don't know, Ooh, who Doctor Strange, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> Doctor Strange. Um, that's one of the reasons as to why I chose this university. Not gonna lie. <laughs> oh wow. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of universities I kind of looked at. So I applied at University of Manchester for fun. It wasn't actually like I wasn't intending to get accepted because they're very competitive and they're top. I don't, to be on the safer side, I want to say top 30, 40 in the world, like in terms of the ranking for universities. Right. So like I did not expect to get accepted and they're also part of their Russell group. So the, another reason why I chose them was reputation, Dr. Strange. And then they're part of Russell, uh, the Russell group, which is, which is um, a bunch of universities that are really focused on research. And I've mentioned this before. I'm really into research. I love research. That's, I love teaching. I also love research. So that's, I've, and I specifically wanted to go into the UK one to sort of <laughs> explore things outside of Edmonton and explore myself a little bit. That's one reason. And then another one is because their master's programs are fast-tracked. So it's only one year there. Super difficult, but one year, but like, I think of it as like, hey, one year of hard work and crying and stressing and anxieties and you're done. You have your master's, right? That's what I'm thinking at least. So yeah, so that's the main reasons. The biggest one really being, again, Benedict Cumberbatch. Hello, Dr. Strange. I feel like, you know, I'm on par with him now. Like, if I see him, like, oh, hey. Oh, yes. I, too, <laughs> am uh, a sorcerer supreme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just do the, what, what was that guy saying? It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> they can't see what we're doing. But... Yeah. We're, um, we are opening time portal. Uh, we're opening portals to other dimensions. That That's yeah. what we're doing. So uh, the, ma- the program is called Digital, uh, Digital Technologies Communication and Education. I specifically chose this because, one, I love technology. Two, I have always been interested in how people learn online. And that's why sometimes I feel like, did I manifest COVID-19? Like, was it I who manifested it? Because before COVID-19 hit, I was always like, I've already been thinking about online learning. Like, I've always just been like, how different is it going to be if, like, people could actually learn online? And, like, how are we going to make that better so that people could actually learn online and be, like, actually have fun with it like they do face-to-face and actually learn from it? Like, you know, how can we change the way we interact with our screen? Is there something, like, we could – are there, like, not apps. Like, are there specifications, like, you know, that we can add so that – it can help people who are learning online learn better. It's like, oh, it must be great. Like if, and there's not a lot of research on it. So I was like, oh, it'd be great if we could see how that plays out. COVID-19 happened and we had to learn virtually. And I'm like, huh. You heard that first. You heard that from (laughs) her, everybody. So get your, uh, what was it? Get your torches and pitchforks. Uh, (laughs) You know who to burn now. I've manifested it. Yeah, so that, yeah, I chose that. Um, how I'm preparing for it, 
honestly, after I started teaching my students, or okay, before I started teaching my students, I was like, if I don't get accepted into a master's program, that's it for me. Like, I'm going to be so sad because I've worked so freaking hard getting high marks, getting all those references, you know, doing research and research just so that I can get in into at least one master's program. Like, you know, it didn't even have to be Benedict Cumberbatch's university. It could be like any university. Just imagine. And if I don't get accepted into any of them, I'll be so upset. And then after I started teaching, it was like, uh, I don't even care if I don't, if I, I get accepted at this point. Like, if I, like, honestly, like with my student, like specifically with these students that I'm with, if kind of deferring my master's into the next year means I get to spend more time with the students I have now, I would consider it a lot. So in terms of preparing, I've actually just been in denial. <laughs> like I'm like going into, like choosing to go for a master's program means that I'm leaving behind the opportunity to teach right away and the opportunity to even spend more time with the students I have, like, even though, like, it's not guaranteed that I would, but that is, like, something that I would kind of, like, push away. It would kind of weigh on you. Yeah, so okay. I was, like, that's, I've just been in denial, just sort of, like, how I've been in denial that practicum is going to end next week, and I'm not, I'm probably not going to see these students anymore. <laughs> so, preparing? I haven't been preparing for it. Okay, one last question before we get into our segments. Yes. This one's a this one's a deep. It can be it, it can be a deep question if you would like it to be, if and I, I like think it. you kind of answered it a little bit with the first question, but let's see how it goes. What is ultimately the lasting impression or the lesson that you want to leave with your students? With my current students right now. Or or like with any of the students you teach throughout your career? Uh, honestly, again, I think it'd be different depending on the group I'm with. So I'm going to specifically, with the students I have in mind, oh, it's making me teary. I can feel it. I'm just going to miss them so much. Um, don't take yourself too seriously. I think, you know, like, I think with them, they need to start, I mean, they already are, but I guess just like a little bit more and just like have fun with their youth, you know, and learn to make fun of certain situations, learn to laugh at themselves. You know, it's not always going to be a breezy life. And I know some of them already know this. But if you're, and yeah, if they're able to kind of just take a look at the situation and be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal and move on with their life. And like to remember that like, 
uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, even if it seems like everything's against them, like even if the world seems like it's against them, even if like they look in the mirror and like they don't like what they see. Oh, sorry. Um, I'll always be on their side. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I love them so much. I was like, ah, oh, it's only been two months. I'm so clingy. I'm like a clingy girlfriend, but like instead of a girlfriend, I'm a teacher. <laughs> like I'm a clingy teacher. And like, yeah, like, like I know there's gonna be moments in their life where it's like they're just gonna feel so down and it's like nothing's working out. But they will always have at least one person, like me, that they can count on. Like even if I'm not their teacher anymore, they can like email me and I'll like still respond as quickly as I've been responding to them now. They can just be like, hey, I scraped my knee. I'll be like, okay, find a band-aid. You know what I mean? Like I'll be there. I'll like let them know that no matter how like silly it is, like no matter how they're in like shambles, I'm there. You know, they can, there's always one person that they can count on and rely on to just listen to them and to like remind them that you're awesome. You're going to do great things. You just have to get up and keep moving on. So, yeah. Oh, I'm such a clingy teacher. Oh, goodness. I'm so emotional. They're going to see me like next week and I'm going to cry again when I'm about to leave. I was like, you cry so much. I have no idea. It's like, oh. <laughs> oh. Thank no you. Idea. Yeah. That was, uh, that was very vulnerable of you, <laughs> which is why I needed to include it. But thank you very much for sharing that. I should have just gone with the joke and be like, get ace all the time. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. It's like, learn your math facts. That's the lasting impression. I want to learn your math facts. You know, they're, they're amazing students. I would like to shout out to my grade six students. You know who the, you are. You're amazing. Maybe I'll play this to them and be like, hey, just this part. Just listen to this part. Maybe I won't even make a speech when I leave. I'll just play this. Like, just put a timestamp. Sounds good. Right? Sounds good. For okay. them to keep. Thank you, Buena. Okay, um, so our last two segments, are, which are continuously running segments on the show, um, the first one is community shoutouts. The reason we have community shoutouts is because uh, I, am, I'm, I am of the firm belief that it takes a village to raise a community, uh, or it, takes a, it takes a village to raise a child, um, and so this is the time to give any organization whether they're very important to you or maybe something you just thought was cool and wanted to check out, give them a shout out. So what have you got for us, Buena? Uh, they're not like a, like an organization organization, but it's the club that I'm in. Uh, Campus UNICEF. It's with the University of Alberta. So there's two things that we're doing right now. One of them is called virtual tutoring program. So if you have students, kids, children, 
if you're a parent, if you're a child yourself and you're listening to this and you're like, I want a tutor and still be COVID-19 safe, um, then, you know, check out Campus UNICEF, Alberta, University of Alberta, just search it up and you should find the links to the virtual tutoring program. So that's the one thing that I want to promote because like, I think it's a great, great opportunity that, you know, not everyone can afford a tutor. It's, and I know a lot of students are struggling with transitioning into virtual right now. And I know that they're going back to virtual learning as well for at least a week. And we don't know how long that's going to last. They say it's a week right now, but it could last for like a long time. So it's a great opportunity to take. So if you're interested, just take a look at that. You can also just email me. Can you like put like my email? Yeah, if you're comfortable with that. Yeah. So it's just G-A-L-L-E-P-O-S at ualberta.ca. So you can email me there. The other one is not really for them to participate with us because we already got our grants approved for this, but it's just to kind of, um, we're, I think we're going to be working with, oh, I hope they don't get mad at me. We might, it's not official yet, not official. We might be working with Mustard Seed to help the homeless community um we're basically going to make kind of packages like care packages and bring it out to our homeless community and just for the winter because it's it can't winters are harsh we've been fortunate enough that it hasn't gotten super cold yet but it will so you know it includes so many things like toothbrushes masks like reusable masks because again COVID-19 um I think gloves things that keeps them warm. You haven't decided yet, but it's to sort of just, I'm, I guess I'm just saying this to kind of urge people to, to uh, take action in their community. Like even if you have like a dollar, like even if you just have $5, you can make small care packages and that would mean a lot to, sorry, I have this thing with homeless people too, where I start crying when I start talking about them. But <laughs> I'm just like, um, you know, like, uh, make it for them and like you can give it to them. Uh, you can give it through Mustard Seed. I think there are, there's a bunch of organizations that are taking donations right now. And also if you see a homeless person, please do not be like hostile towards them. And if you can give them like a dollar or two, or even just like if you can get a coffee or hot chocolate for them, that'd be awesome. Help the community, especially during our harsh winters. It's like a slogan trying to sell something yeah <laughs> <laughs> part-time car salesman um okay well, my uh my my submission into community shout outs is um santa's anonymous uh provided by 630 ched santa's anonymous i'm just on their website right now it's uh, this is what it reads it's been a difficult year for many and the need is greater than ever listen in to hear santa's stories and help put toys under the tree for kids in edmonton this year, we're expecting a 25% increase in need for children, uh, for well, Christmas services. Our goal for the day is to raise $100,000, which would help bring joy to over 2,500 children. So it's a great organization. You can donate to them either financially or you could no donate toys. Um, you, you can even find employment there as well. There's a lot of opportunities. So please check it out. It goes to a great cause. Help those uh, families in need. And help them have a great Christmas. I'm not saying that 
toys are what gets you a great Christmas, but it helps. Uh, <laughs> it's the sentiment. It's yes. like the, the, the thought behind it is what mm-hmm. makes Christmas Christmas, right? Exactly. Um, and so now our last segment is Asian of the Week. And uh, Buona, did you want to go first or did you want me to take the lead here? Asian of the Week? Isn't that us? Are we not Asian of the Week? Are you not the Asian of the week? Am I wrong? We we use this segment to promote um, an Asian person. Uh, this this podcast is all about Asian Asian empowerment. Uh, so we I want to use it to highlight some an Asian person, uh, whether they are in uh, media, whether they're a celebrity, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's someone you think deserves a shout out. So who is your I, submission I for do. Asian of the week? It's uh, the South Asian community are my Asians for the week. Specifically, I don't quite remember his name, but the host that, you know, the host that Kenny talked to, he was, he's South Asian. Yeah. So they're South Asian. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't remember their name, but the host of Red FM who talked to uh, Kenny and actually stood up for the South Asian community is my Asian of the week. Perfect. Thank you, Buena. And then maybe we can find out who that is and put it in the podcast description. Uh, so my Asian of the week um, is a political, is a politician and um, whether or not you agree with their policies or anything, um, I think that this is just someone to highlight. They are also South Asian. My submission for Asian of the week is Jagmeet Singh. Jagmeet Singh is the first South Asian men, the first South Asian mentioned on this show's segments. Um, he's the leader of the New Democratic Party or the NDP since 2000, 2017 after taking over the, uh, the late Jack Layton. He was a member of parliament for the riding of Burnaby South since 2019. I believe that's in Ontario. And upon his election, Singh became the first person of of a visible minority group to lead a major Canadian federal political party on a permanent basis and the first turban-wearing Sikh to sit as a provincial legislator in Ontario. He's known for his campaigns to bring clean drinking water to Indigenous communities, raising the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour, decriminalizing possession of all drugs, so which is a harm reduction stance, and supporting eliminating several tax deductions available to the highest income earners, income earners in Canada. So that's the source of that is Wikipedia. The reason I chose uh, Jagmeet Singh as Asian of the week, uh, it's because he was part of one of the most quote-unquote epic crossovers in Canadian politics. Uh, on November 27th, Jagmeet Singh took part in a live video stream on Twitch where he played the video game Among Us with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez otherwise known as AOC, an American politician serving as the U.S. representative for New York's 14th. This is a long. Anyways, he represents the, she represents the Bronx. She's a politician. She's from the USA. Jagmeet Singh is from Canada. They share a lot of uh, progressive views on healthcare, economic equality, and climate change. They used playing video games. They played Among If you haven't played Among Us, like, it's amazing. <laughs> it, it came out a while ago, but like, it's so much fun. Um, they use the video game as a platform to talk about uh, politics and encourage young people to vote and um, what issues were important. And personally, I haven't checked it out, but I think you can find it on YouTube. Um, and I know politicians are always trying to reach out to young people. Like 
to get their vote or whatever, but like to use this as a platform to reach out to, what does it say here? They, they, they reached up to 26,000 viewers at one point and it was one of the most viewed events in the nine year history of Twitch. Like that is incredible. Wow. So, so um, wait, were they like, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. But were they like using among us as a sort of like analogy to encourage people to vote or were they like, you know, playing among us and then talking about like yeah voting. yeah it was it was the second one the latter okay so they're they're like they're, they're like again this is like from the notes that i'm reading like i didn't particularly watch it but they were talking about like certain voting policies the importance of youth stuff like that um and then like occasionally like <laughs> a jagmeet sing she like he like killed somebody in the game in front of like aoc and then she was like hey you just like like she reported it she's like what the what the heck and and then like in in the if you know the game like you know what i'm talking about like they called for like the emergency meeting and then he was like what are you talking about i wasn't there or whatever and like he successfully conned everybody into believe oh my god like i love this game (laughs) it's free too yeah oh politicians have to be charismatic yes to some degree they have to be charismatic and you know believable Mm-hmm. He just proved himself to be a great politician. Good for you. Good, Good for, for you. you. Yeah. Oh, also, um, just wanted to make a correction. He's, uh, he's the MP for not Ontario, BC. Burnaby. Ah. Yeah. Thank you. So Burnaby, BC. Hmm. Which awesome. I love Vancouver. So that's like kind of just I love BC. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Keep it yeah, BC is pretty cool. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so I think this is the end of our show. Wanna thank you so much for joining. You were a pleasure to have. Thank you for being um, very vocal about your beliefs, very informative, explaining everything that's going on. You're such a caring, wonderful person. I can tell how much you love these kiddos. <sighs> and I know with your personality, your work ethic, you're gonna go very far in life and I wish you all the best. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for the kind words. Uh, Keep it up with your podcast. Um, I hope that, you know, you get more traction. I think what you're doing is awesome. So keep it up. And yeah, just, I, you know, thank you again. Thank you for having me. It was nice talking to you again. We don't talk often, but it's nice to kind of just have these conversations once in a while I think even if it's not for a podcast you know you can just hit me up and be like hey do you want to chat about this I'm like yeah I'll I'll email you and I'll be like I scraped my knee yeah Uh, and I'll be like get a band-aid yeah band-aid and I I know you teach in front of zoom all the time so for you to come back and be on zoom I'm not teaching zoom oh okay right right sorry yeah (laughs) my goodness I was not prepared um (laughs) anyways so um so yeah for those of you uh that are regular listeners check out the show it's on anchor fm and spotify you can find the show's uh social media at 2ndgb underscore o-f-f-i-c-i-a-l that's on instagram and twitter uh you can join the conversation when you tweet using the hashtag sgb pod so sgb pod this episode was recorded on zoom um so for my Filipinos out there, maraming salamat sa pakikinig ninyo sa aking podcast. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I'm Kuya Eric from the Second Generation Banana Podcast. 
And one minute before I actually close the show, everybody that's listening, there is a contest on Instagram coming up very soon. It's a giveaway. Uh, So stay tuned for that. All the instructions are going to be on the post. It's going to be all over my social media. You can get some free stuff, you know, this holiday season, and you don't even have to do a whole lot. And um, you're going to get free stuff that benefits um, small businesses out there. Gift cards. You're going to be winning gift cards. Uh, So please stay tuned. I'm going to have like, I think minimum six prizes available. So please check it out. Um, And yeah, we'll end on that. My name is Kui Eric. I'm from the Second Generation Banana Podcast. I'm about to split. Thank you, Buena, for for coming on the show. And to everybody, welcome to December. We're almost done 2020. Thank you and good night. Bye now.